if you are after a, uh, no, how do I say this? When I preach, I'm trying to impart the heart of God. Don't get caught up so much on the words or the topics that I preach on. My one goal in life, this is success to me, when people encounter God for themselves. That's success to me. When, when, when people become hungry for God in their own right, and their own relationship, and their own responsibility, that's success, I believe, as a Christian. If people become dependent on a person, for me, that's not success. The greatest preachers and people that, that I admire are the ones that I listen to. I stop the message. I run home. I run to my bedroom, and I seek God. It makes me hungry for Him. And the greatest thing that a preacher could ever do is point people to Jesus, give people a hunger to go after Him. And everything that I've been preaching over the last few Sunday nights, I've talked about righteousness. I've talked about um, the blood of Jesus cleansing our conscience so we can actually approach Him, so that we can have intimacy with Him. We talked about God being in us and we being in Him, and there is no distance, no separation. These are not just Corey's favorite messages. This is my attempt through the avenue of Holy Spirit to break down every excuse or every blockage or reason of why you can't be close with God. Amen. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that. That's my one goal. And tonight we're coming to a, a, a big climax because I believe that this is the reason why we've talked about righteousness. Righteousness by itself is just to show you that you can come before God and you've been made right in the sight of God so you can approach Him. It's not about a doctrine. It's not about just trying to get people to agree. It is, it is what Jesus has done so that we can be with Him. He's made us holy by His blood. He's made us righteous so we can approach Him. So everything that I'm preaching and everything that I believe that Jesus did was for us to be connected with Him. We can talk a lot about a lot of stuff in church and a lot of stuff in Christianity, and I'm not dis dismissing any of that stuff. But what I'm saying is, if you just know about Him and you leave with more knowledge of Him but don't actually know Him, I believe you've missed the point. No wows or amens to that. How, how sad would it be for us to know the kingdom and not know the King? There's a really scary scripture that says, we did this in your name. It says, depart from me, I never knew you. Jesus has done everything so that we can be in a position to know God. And to, to, to neglect that one point is to miss what Jesus actually did. Because it was more than just get you to heaven. Amen. All right. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. If you're taking notes, this message is called temples. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple? People would have heard, heard me say this when they asked me to go to KFC. My response to you would be, my body is a temple. And then I go, and I pray over it, because if you say grace, it's fine. <laughs> do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were brought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Or you could say glorify God in your temple. Thank you. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, 
whom you have from God, you are not your own. For you were brought with a price, so glorify God in your body. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Come on, why don't you just turn to your name and say, I'm a temple. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belai? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? Now, don't take this out of context. It's not saying that we don't love people and reach out. But you need to know that there's a difference, that when the Holy Spirit comes and fills you and you become His temple, there is a difference between you and someone who hasn't been filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple. Again, we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God. They shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you and I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord God Almighty. Amen. I think sometimes we have this tainted view of what a temple is. I think sometimes in our context, we think of a temple as this beautiful external structure that's completely empty on the inside. I don't know if you've been to, um, we went to Israel and we've seen a lot of temples, a lot of churches, a lot of steeples, a lot of, a lot of temples, but nothing really happening inside. Just a lot of people kissing rocks and licking stones, but that's a story for another, another time. But sometimes our concept of temples are these amazing places that are actually empty. But I'd like to take you back to a biblical understanding of what a temple is, because a temple was actually a place that housed that where the presence of God actually dwelt. The temple was not a, an empty place. The temple was created for someone to fill it. The temple was created for someone to fill it. Temples were never designed to be empty. Temples were never designed to be empty. They were designed to house, to be a dwelling place for God. And the Bible says that you, that you are His dwelling place. Come on. I know someone's going to get this tonight because you are not your own. You've been purchased with a price and you have become the temple, the temple of God. And the same God that filled the temple in the Old Testament is the same God who is filling you. Come on. In the Old Testament, they would go to the temple. When they, when they came to the temple, that is when they would hear God. That is when they would see visions. That's when angels would appear. That's when, when the prophets would, would get a download from God and have a prophecy. That when they inquired of God in His temple, there was supernatural activity. There was reality. There was experience. There was relationship. There was talking and hearing and listening and anointing and praying. That was all happening in the temple. And the amazing thing about the New Testament is that you have become that temple. And so my question to you tonight is, are you an empty temple or are you a temple who's been filled with someone? Is there someone that actually dwells inside of you? Because this body apparently is a living temple. 
It's a living temple. I know this is, this is a, a, a crazy idea to grasp, but the, the God of the universe said, I don't want to dwell in a temple made with man's hands. I want to dwell in a temple that I made with my own hands, and that's you. His plan all along was to be in, in dwelling in His people. If it hadn't been, Jesus didn't need to come because we could have just come and visited Jesus on the Temple Mount. We could have just come and encountered Him for a, for a moment and then left, but God was not satisfied to just have a visitation. He wanted to be indwelling in us, and He made us the temples of God. Now, if you would go to a temple to, to hear God, and, and even in our new covenant, I know, ah, I don't want to offend anyone. We go to certain places that we think we're going to hear God more clearly. But you have become the temple. So if you would travel across the world to try and hear God and not realize that He's made you the temple. Come on, He's speaking. Everything that He did in a temple building, He is now doing in this temple. So He's speaking. He's, he's pouring out His Spirit. He's, he's filling it full of His glory. There's visions, there's visitations, there's everything happening in this temple, in your temple tonight. A temple was built to house someone. Come on, who is in you? Who is your, who's dwelling in you? Who, whose dwelling have you become? And tonight, friend, I, when I say dwelling, I mean dwelling, not visiting place. When God came and filled His temple, He didn't come and go. He stayed there. He stayed with the Ark of the Covenant. He didn't come and leave and come and leave and come and leave. But some of us have that perception that God comes upon me and then He leaves me and He comes upon me and He leaves me. You're His dwelling place. You are a living, moving, breathing temple of God. It's a really good strategy, by the way. Rather than everyone having to go one place, God says, well, make people my temple and I'll be in them and wherever they go, I will be. <laughs> that's incredible. I mean, if that's not a, a vision strategy, I don't know what is. How do, we get, how do I get myself out everywhere? I know I'll make living, breathing, walking temples of God, temples of myself, and I'll send them out to the farthest nations. I'll send them out to the ends of the earth, and wherever they go, there I will be, because we are temples of the living God. Amen. We have a living hope inside of us. We have a living God dwelling inside of us. You know, the Bible says that when Jesus gave His last breath, the veil was torn. The veil was the separating uh, thing of the Holy of Holies where the presence of God dwelt. When Jesus gave His last breath, it says that that veil was torn from top to bottom. Unfortunately, some of the Pharisees sewed it back up again. But that was a symbol that through the flesh, through the body of Jesus, He had opened up a new and living way that God was no longer dwelling in a building. He was dwelling in His people. When, he, when Jesus gave His last breath, the veil in the, in the temple was torn and Jesus was, Holy Spirit was out of that place because He had another temple that He wanted to fill. Then we see on, in Acts 2, on the day of Pentecost, God filled those temples. Did you know that? That by what Jesus did, He made us clean by His blood so that when 
Jesus gave His life and washed us clean that the Holy Spirit could come and dwell in these temples. Come on. The day of Pentecost was an infilling of the temples of God. It was God coming and indwelling in men and women. That's incredible. The day of Pentecost was not some weird tongues of fire event. It was actually the filling of the new temples. And we still get to experience that same filling today. Amen. Now, can I, can I get serious for a second? Because I know all this sounds great. And I can tell by your response. Everything I declared to you is completely true. Everything I just declared to you is completely true. But I would be amiss not to talk about the condition that goes with this. There's one condition. Everything in the old temple, every item, every utensil, every material had to be sprinkled with the blood of animals. Everything in the Old Testament temple was dedicated, consecrated, and set apart for godly use. One Peter two nine says, "But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession." You know, when we're singing "King Jesus, Lord of My Soul," this is what we're declaring: we've been set apart for Him. We're His possession. We're His people. We're His own possession. That you may proclaim the excellency excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. That's incredible. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Everything in the old temple had to be cleansed and consecrated and made holy and made pure, and nothing has changed when it comes to this temple. Nothing has changed when it comes to this temple. Every single part of me has to be washed, cleansed, consecrated, set apart, made holy for this temple to be a living dwelling for God Almighty. I'll take you back to the first scripture we read that our bodies, we are the temple of God, but we are not our own. We've been purchased with a price. I think a lot of us, not the Sunday night crew, because I know you're hungry. I think a lot of us want to be filled with God, but we don't want to consecrate ourselves and realize that we're not our own and allow the Holy Spirit to come and cleanse us, wash us with the blood of Jesus, purify us, set ourselves apart, consecrate ourselves for the work of the Lord. Just let that one sink in. Everything in the temple has to be, has to be holy, has to be purified, has to be set apart, has to be consecrated. And there's no difference when it comes to us as His temple. Do you know Jesus cleansed the temple when He was walking the earth? Do you know He made a whip? He got rid of the money changes. He cleansed the temple. Can I just, just good news tonight. 
Jesus is still in the business of cleansing temples. <laughs> He's still in the business of flipping tables and cleansing temples. Come on, friend, I, I would be doing you an injustice tonight to not tell you, to tell you that God wants to fill you and then tell you that you can just live how you want. You can't. Before the presence of God filled the temple, everything had to be consecrated. Everything had to be surrendered. Everything had to be set apart for temple use. You didn't use the temple instruments for everyday normal use. They were set apart. Come on, I just read the scripture that we're a holy nation. We're a set apart people. We're a royal priesthood. If we want to be the temples of the living God, we have to come to Jesus. We have to separate ourselves we have to, if we want to be His dwelling places, the Bible says that we have to separate ourselves, come out from them. It's not saying don't be a part of the world. It's saying be in the world, but not of it. Come apart, consecrate yourself to me. Come before me, lay your life down. I will fill the temple if you would consecrate yourself to me. We want a full temple without consecration. We want a full temple without handing over every room that's in here and saying, Jesus, this is not my temple. This is your temple. I'm not my own. I consecrate myself to you. I, I'm set apart for you and your purposes. <sighs> this is why the Word says, Be holy, for I am holy. Because a holy God can only dwell in a temple that's been made holy. A holy God can only dwell in a temple that has been made holy. Come on, friend, I'm going to be so honest with you tonight because I've got to give an account before God. The, the context of these scriptures we're looking at, Paul's talking about sexual immorality. He's talking about not joining yourself with a prostitute. He's talking about not worshiping idols. He's saying, don't you know that you're the temple of God? What, what business does the temple, what business does a set apart consecrated, washed by the blood of Jesus, holy temple have to do with joining with things that are unclean. <sighs> now don't get legalistic on me because you can't do this on your own. But if you ask God to come, if you repent and you say, God, clean me up, cleanse me, wash my temple clean. I want to be a dwelling place. I set my life apart. He'll come. He's faithful to wash, to cleanse you of all unrighteousness and fill the temple to overflowing. But it takes that kind of repentance. It takes that kind of heart that says, I don't want to be a mixed temple. I want to be a holy set-apart temple that God dwells in. Because you can't have both. You can't have both. You can't ask to be the temple of God and then live in sin and expect God to fill the temple. Keyboard stopped right on that moment. Two Corinthians six. I should just read the whole thing. I hope this is helping someone tonight. Because what I'm interested in is a holy nation, a set apart people. I believe that's what God's interested in. We want to see God move. We want to. We hunger for God, we thirst for God, but we don't want to consecrate ourselves. We don't actually want to say, God, 
It's all for you. It's all for you. It's all for you. God loves to fill empty temples. He loves to fill empty temples. God gives grace to the humble, but He resists the proud. God loves the people that come to Him and say, God, I can't clean myself up, but you can. Here I am. I give myself. When I say give, I mean I consecrate myself. I am not my own. I am yours. Come and fill the temple. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness. Do you know why this talks about sexual immorality? Because there is a joining of two people in the act. Just for all my friends and new believers out there, and maybe you're an old believer. Sex outside of covenant is still sin. No matter who tells you any different, my Bible says it's sexual immorality. You are the temple of God. You don't take the temple of God and join Him to someone else outside of covenant. I'm trying not to look at anyone because I don't want anyone to think I'm talking about them. I'm just preaching the Bible because I love you and I love you enough to tell you the truth. You don't take the temple that has been washed with the blood of Jesus and then throw it into something else that has not been washed with the blood of Jesus, that is not under covenant. Amen. You may get offended with me, but I don't care. Because when I get to heaven, I can say, I told them the truth. I did everything I could. I preached the gospel. You guys okay? Is this all right? The music's making it go down so sweet. Spoonful of sugar, right? I need my phone. I need my phone. Who's got my phone? I'm just going to read a quote from... um, Anyone know A.W. Tozer? Just because I think maybe you'll listen if he says it. He's just saying what I said, even though he lived before me. I don't know how that works out, but let me just read you this quick quote, just because I think it sums up what I'm trying to say tonight. Here is the whole final message of the New Testament. Through the atonement in Jesus' blood, sinful men may now become one with God. That's awesome. I don't know if you've been here for a Sunday night, but we've talked about that a lot. Deity indwelling men. That is Christianity in its fullest, oh my gosh, if, Kelly, you might have to come. Tell me what this word says. If, come have a look. Please. What's this word here? You want to read this? You don't know it either. Effectication. And even those greater glories of the world to come will be in essence but a greater and more perfect experience of the soul's union with God. Deity indwelling men. That I say is Christianity. Isn't that incredible? God indwelling people, living temples, is the essence, is the goal of Christianity for God to be in us. Just, just just, let that sink in for a minute because I'm not trying to be overly complicated. God indwelling in us is the goal of Christianity. To be His living temples is the goal. The goal is not to get blessed. The goal, am I 
God indwelling you is a really big blessing. The goal is to have God indwelling in us. That's the work of Jesus. That's what Jesus came to do, to make it so that we could be cleansed and holy. So, so why? Why? Why do all of that so God can dwell in His creation, in His temples? Yeah? It will be even if it's greater, more perfect experience of the soul's union, deity and dwelling men. That I say is Christianity, and no man has experienced rightly the power of Christian belief until he has known this for himself as a living reality. That's really strong words. Really strong words. No man has experienced rightly the power of Christian belief until he has known this, until he knows that God dwells in him or her. It's a good reaction. Thank you for that. In himself as a living reality, everything else is preliminary to this. Incarnation, atonement, justification, regeneration, What are these but acts of God to prepare the work of invading and the act of indwelling the redeemed human soul? Come on. What is righteousness? What is forgiveness? What is cleansing? What is justification if it's not just to get us to the point where God can actually be in us? Come on, church. Are you with me tonight? Are you with Jesus? Come on. What are these but acts to prepare the work for God to indwell a human soul? Man who moved out of the heart of God by sin now moves back into the heart of God by redemption. God who moved out of the heart of man because of sin now enters again His ancient dwelling to drive out His enemies and once more make the place of His feet glorious. The visible fire of the day of Pentecost had for the church a deep and tender significance for it told to all ages that they upon whose heads it sat were men and women set apart. (sighs) You know you're set apart when you wait in a room and seek the Lord for what He's going to do. They actually gathered and set themselves apart in an upper room to wait for this infilling, this indwelling presence of God. Come on, this is what we talk about being set apart. We're not talking about you coming to church. We're talking about your life being consecrated, set apart for the work of Jesus. Men and women set apart. They were creatures out of the fire. As surely as were they them whom Ezekiel and his vision saw by the river Cheba. The mark of the fire was a sign of divinity. They who received it were forever a particular people, sons and daughters of the flame. Amen. That day of Pentecost was God infilling His new temples. Because of what Jesus has done, because of everything that we've been talking about consistently for, I don't know, maybe three years now, all for the crowning point that God would be indwelling in every single one of us. That's the goal of Christianity. That's why you have to understand righteousness. That's why you have to understand the work of Jesus' blood. That's why you have to have a clean conscience. That is why you have to receive everything that Jesus has done for you so that you can be the living temple of God. With no hindrance, fully consecrated, fully set apart, completely for the Lord. God is still filling temples. God never stopped filling temples. His people just became His temples. Amen.
our greatest honour is to be filled with Him, to know Him. I feel like I should go back to 1 Corinthians, but I don't have time. I don't know if you know what it's like when you're in this moment, but sometimes you can feel that people are agitated. Other people are hungry. But I made a commitment to live for the audience of one. I don't want to see a lukewarm, diluted Christianity in my day if I have a responsibility to change it. Everything I told you tonight cannot happen by me can only happen by you consecrating yourself to the Lord. What it would take would be for every single one of us individually to go home and say, God, I consecrate myself. I set myself apart. This is your temple. It's not mine. I'm not alive for me. I'm alive for you. Would you come, fill me, wash me, cleanse me, make me worthy of service. Cleanse this temple. We like to talk about revival and God moving. I believe when we become the holy, set apart people of God, it'll happen because we're living, breathing, moving temples of God. (laughs) Amen. All right, maybe I'll just stop. Holy Spirit, I pray right now, not by might, not by power, but by your Spirit. God, I thank you for the hungry. I thank you for the humble. Thank you, Lord, for those who have Lay down their own opinions and take your word for what it is. God, I know you're a loving, caring God, but I do know there is a responsibility upon us to say yes to you, to surrender to you. God, to allow you to flip some tables and not get upset about it. It's amazing that when Jesus drove out the money changes and says that as soon as he'd done that, then the poor, the sick came in and He healed them. Because when there's room in the temple, God fills it and who He is. It just happens. And I say that tonight because if God comes to your temple and decides to flip a table, it's for your good. It's for your benefit. because he wants the temple all to himself.
He wants to fill every room. Every room. He wants to wash every part of you. Every part of you. Thank you, God, that we're not our own. We've been brought with such a high price. Some of us tonight just need to see the sold sticker. The temple has been purchased. And it wasn't purchased by you. Jesus purchased it with his blood. And if he's purchased it, his rules, his commands, how that temple is meant to be run. Holy Spirit, I thank you for repentance in this room. A godly repentance that leads to freedom, that leads to healing, not to sorrow, not to a worldly sorrow. God loves you. God is for you. So much so that He's willing to come and clean you out. Wash you clean. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.